Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant, an educator, a caregiver support group leader, and a frequent presenter at caregiver conferences and webinars. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate, a certified music therapist, and I also speak at caregiver conferences and webinars. Welcome to Dementia Spotlight, tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. Interesting and informative guests will join us on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. And on the opposite Wednesdays, we'll provide straight talk about what people need to know before and after caregiving begins, including controversial issues others might tend to avoid. You know, Bobby, we've talked in the past about powers of attorney and money management for people with dementia. And, you know, we were really fortunate that when my dad came to live with us, one of the very first things he talked about was, we need to do powers of attorney. We need to do powers of attorney. And he was very adamant about it. And so we did the power of attorney for medical which gave you that medical power of attorney is the first because you were going to be with him all the time and me the financial power of attorney to take care of the financial needs for him. You know, a lot of people don't look at that prior to any type of diagnosis or even in the early stages of diagnosis when it can really be beneficial to them. And that's kind of one of the things we want to talk about today, right? Absolutely. And the more we can encourage people to have these conversations and make these decisions before it's necessary, the better off everybody will be. In fact, that's one of the things that I I talk to caregivers about in the caregiver support group and maybe in the conference is be ready for what may come next before it's here. Yeah. And that, that is so vital. And especially when it comes to dealing with tricky things like money. Right. Which brings us to today's guest who took care of her parents' finances when they were diagnosed with dementia. And that experience led her to pursue a passion of helping other families prepare for the financial aspects of caregiving. She has an award-winning blog called Dealing with Dementia, is the founder of Memory Bank, which is a money management business, and the author of a best-selling book, Memory Bank, your workbook for organizing your life. We are pleased to welcome back to a podcast that we're doing, Ms. Kay Brantford. Kay, thank you so much for agreeing to join us again. And we are looking forward to hearing from you all of the wonderful advice that you have. And you can tell us and our listeners here a little bit about your journey with your parents. Well, thanks for having me back on your new um, Envisioned (laughs) podcast. Um, yes, it, what, what you said is so true about the powers of attorney, but I kind of, I have a public service announcement for everyone. Everyone over 18 should have powers of attorney in place. This is a litigious world. Every bank and financial institution is going to require it. There's no parental rights. If you're not on the account, then you don't have partner or spousal rights. Um, so everyone needs a power of attorney when they turn 18. And I believe it so much, I gave it to my children as birthday <laughs> presents for their 18th birthdays. <laughs> so le- let me talk about my dad for just one second. The reason he was so adamant is when my grandmother passed away, and she was 103 years old when she passed away, or 102, so 
well over 100. And he wasn't on the accounts. And so even though we lived in a very, very small town outside of Pittsburgh, where everybody knew everybody, they were kind of handcuffed as having access to the money that she had put away for things like funeral expenses and things of that sort. And it took about three and a half months just to get over that hurdle. And that's why he was so adamant about doing the power of attorney for us, for him. And that's kind of the backstory to my dad. Okay, I have a question. Uh, You know, I, I wrote down what you said about everyone over the age of 18 needs a power of attorney. Can you explain? You said you gave it to your children as a gift. So explain exactly how that works. I'm 18 years old, and I needed power of attorney. What do I do? And who gets this control? So my gift to them was I told them, I will pay for you to go to a lawyer, an estate lawyer, who will write up powers of attorney for you because you need to designate someone to speak for you on your health care matters and for your financial matters. We will pay for it. You can name mom or dad or both of us, or you can name someone else. Um, And this is going to change over time. Now, my son is 26. I'm sure he's going to realize if he gets married that he probably needs to name someone else besides mom and dad. Um, So it's their powers of attorney. We have the ability to sign their taxes, go in and get access to a bank account if something should happen to them. Okay. So that's why we did it for them, but they control it. And in this day and age, I kind of get what you're saying. You know, not to say this has anything to do with your children, but, you know, we hear every day how many people are dying because of of drug overdoses, both taking the drugs, but also accidental drug overdoses. And so somebody 18, 19, 20 could be very, very beneficial, not only financial aspects, but also the medical aspects. So, yeah, I, I get it. And, of course, there's car accidents, too, and any other type of accident. Well, and, and unfortunately, in our line of business as daily money managers, we typically get called in to figure out the day-to-day finances for mm-hmm. adults in crisis. It, this isn't just for individuals that are facing a dementia or another health care issue as they're older, but we've had younger clients, they come in, they have everything on their computer. No one knows what their computer lock screen is. Mm. So no one can get in or have access to any of their information, even if they said, hey, I put it all on my computer. You don't have that lock screen code to their phone or their computer. You're locked out. So that's why we just encourage everyone. This is the world we live in today. You need those powers of attorney. Well, you know, I was at the doctor's for a checkup and, you know, the nurse said, do you have a living will? And I said, yes. But I said, do you only ask that of old people? (laughs) And she laughed and she said, no, we ask that of everybody because you never know what can happen. And it's the same thing, what what you're saying about the power of attorney. It's not just for somebody with facing a dementia or if it's it's not just for old people. Yes, it's for adults. (laughs) Well, I've not often been accused of being an adult. so. (laughs) (laughs) So you talked about being a daily money manager for folks. Now, let's talk about a daily money manager vice a financial advisor. So um, we focus on day-to-day finances. We are not investment professionals. We don't 
we can't tell you what stocks to buy. We really just focus on bill pay. Um, we understand the cash flow. Where does the money come in? What's the income? What are the expenses? And what I will say is, especially in to, to the individuals you serve, especially older adults, they typically have met like three checking accounts. They may have relationships with um, different financial institutions. So it's understanding, it's creating a vision of where's the money and how does all the money and the accounts work together. So that's why we're daily money managers, not investment professionals or certified financial advisors. And we don't touch stock stuff. We work with financial advisors for our clients when they have investment accounts. Now, you said earlier about it's not automatically the spouse that has control. It seems like a lot of people think that's, that is the case. You know, I, I'm the wife. I get to make the decisions. Or I'm the husband. I get to make the decisions. Has that changed or has it always been that way? So this is a nuanced thing. And so if you have a joint checking account, then you both have control over it. I have had people tell me that when a spouse died, the account was frozen, even though it's a joint checking account, and that should not happen. Sometimes it does. Banking is changing every day, so I don't can't really tell you what's going to come next. Um, but in general, if you're married and you have a joint account, that's great. However, if you use bill, the bill pay portal, most bill pay portals are distinct to you as an individual. For instance, Bobby, if you set up the mortgage and Mike wants to change it, he can't change it in his bill pay portal because it's in your bill pay portal. So couples should be using the same bill pay portal to set up and cancel and modify any of the bill payments that you make. So there's small little nuances like that that you think we're joint account holders. Why can't we both see the same thing in the bill pay account? You just can't. So each bank has little nits and nuances. So we get into all the nitty gritty of that minutia for most of the people we work with. The question I have is when the person hasn't made these decisions, okay, I haven't done the power of attorney for finances and I'm farther down the road and Bobby is designated by the state as the conservator. When you're a daily money manager, do you have the same rules in accounting and the basically big brother oversight as a conservator would? No, we do not. So when people hire us as a daily money manager, they have oversight into what they're doing. So they know what we're doing. So that said, if we're working for someone who has a cognitive issue, we always require a third party reporting contact for all of our clients. So someone else knows what we're doing on their behalf. In general, we're typically in that situation named power of attorney or trustee. So we have different sets of oversight that come into play when you're power of attorney or trustee. Interesting. But we don't have to report to the state like a guardian or conservator does. Right. But you, you do have the oversight of the, as you say, trustee. Well, we require, my business requires that of clients where we're serving as power of attorney or trustee because there aren't requirement rules for us, no, for anyone serving as that. So and I, I want to jump to one comment about, um, you mentioned people plan ahead. And I think, Bobby, you know, like I've in my story, my parents planned ahead. 
they had estate plans, they had checkbooks, like if something happens to us, here's the checkbook. But what we didn't know was all the nuances of, well, mom had a business, dad had a business, they both had different checking accounts, which one pays which bill, which one pays for the mortgage, which one pays the long-term care insurance. You don't know all of that detail. So that's what we found incredibly hard to get around. And that's why I ended up launching the business because even when you have those powers, you don't know the details of what you need to know to actually do something. That's interesting that you say that because one of the things that we have done, right, we have the estate plan all done and we have the powers of attorney and the living will and all that kind of good stuff. But I take care of most all of the finances, but not only have I taken all my passwords and account numbers and everything and shared it with Bobby, but also our daughter. So if something happens to the both of us and she's the executor of the estate, she has all that information of what the long-term care policies, the insurance policies, the bills, and the password for all the bill pay, if you will. So we've done those type of things, not because I had your insight. It's just, (laughs) I got lucky, I guess. (laughs) Well, it's needed too, because, and I, you probably know 70% of us are going to need someone to help us um, before we die. So they need, someone's going to need that information to help you while you're living. So it's a good idea to share. And, and I had shared, sent that to you, the what if kit that we do, we give it away free to everybody. It's the make copies of everything in your wallet Write down all your usernames and passcodes and your computer codes, and then create that cash flow roadmap so someone knows how things work. Because I will say 50% of our clients are the spouse of an, someone who has dementia, and they've never paid a bill. So they have no idea where everything's located and what their spouse did with the bill pay. So that can be incredibly difficult for a spouse trying to figure that stuff out, if you, or if you divide and conquer they know what they do, but they don't know what you've been doing. Well, not only that, but you know, if you're talking about somebody elderly, like say maybe in their 80s or 90s, they're not, and, and this is going to be a generalization, but they're generally not well-versed in how to use a computer. So to have all that stuff in a computer and to have it all computerized would be way over the top for them. Mm-hmm. Well, most banks require you have a mobile phone to have online banking. So I have clients that have never had a mobile phone, don't want one. They've never had email. And it's really hard to operate in this modern society. You know, Social Security doesn't even mail statements anymore. You need to have online access. Yes, I I found that out today (laughs) in looking at doing taxes. Even if they have those things, if you're dealing with somebody with an advanced dementia, they won't remember how to use them which is why you have to have that power of attorney and all of that in place as well. You know, I I follow a family on the internet where this man is taking care of his, his dad is 91 years old and he lives with him. And he was divorced 40 years ago. He still thinks he's married to this woman and is concerned about her. He still thinks he can drive He doesn't understand a car that you don't actually use a key to start. Um, This man was a a physician, highly intelligent, highly capable, but he's not anymore, and he doesn't really understand that he's not anymore. 
imagine what would happen if his son didn't have these things in place. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting you bring it up because I do, there is a lot of data out there that speaks to dementia actually shows up in the finances first. So even before someone gets diagnosed, they may be making financial mistakes and Mm -hmm. missing things um, with managing their finances. And so it's good to, if you do step in, you take a look back and you look back on prior tax returns. Did something get missed? You look at the bank account. Are they missing money? It just disappeared and they didn't even notice it. Or did they give it away? We've found a lot of bad actors have been involved with these individuals well before they got diagnosed, unfortunately. And often it can be family members and loved ones that are taking advantage of them. Absolutely. It's tough. So you mentioned the memory bank book, right? And using that for somebody else's finances. I assume it's a good idea to just get that book and use it for our own finances, even though we don't need somebody to come in and manage it for us, yet. but it's just a way to organize everything. What's that? I said yet. Yet. We don't need somebody to come in and do it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you for that, Mike. But I, I don't. people don't even need to go get the book. If they go to our website, we do the what-if kit. We give it away for free because what I've learned in doing this for over a decade is no one wants to spend the time writing all that information down. So we've boiled it down to an exercise you can do in one hour to put down the most important things that someone has to do. It's the what-if kit. It's for any adult over the age of 18 should have this filled out, and you can share it with them or put it in a safe place, um, and it'll take them an hour to complete. Oh, that's wonderful. And we will definitely put a link to that in our show website to link back so they can pick that up. Great. And we, we have family members who have a lot of assets and definitely have separate accounts. And I think they need to have this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they may have everything in place. They don't share that with us and they don't need to. But just to make sure that they have this available to them, if they haven't thought about this, we'll make sure that they have it. Great. It is, it's a very simple tool for people to use and manage and at least start that discussion. So there's a shared vision of what your household finances are. I'm, I'm wondering if there is something that you, Kay, feel is important to share with our listeners that we haven't thought to ask you. Oh, that is a great question. Um, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in general, a lot of it comes down to just start having the discussion. I think what we know is that there's so much privacy and people hold this stuff tight and having discussions early about these things and saying, using this as an adulting discussion, not as a what if something bad happens to you or you get dementia. Um, and I've used that with clients too. And I've tried to have that, I've had that conversation with my kids because they watch me care for my parents. How do we as adults have conversation to say, I want to be your backup. Here's what you need to have about me. So if something happens, you can actually step in and back me up because that's what I want. So what you're saying is, is you use this memory bank asset to start that very difficult conversation that so many people are reluctant to have. I know people who just don't want to talk about it, <laughs> don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with having to need a backup, if you will, to use your words. And they just avoid it. It's kind of like talking about life insurance. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> 
Mike, that's such a good point. In this, it was a conversation I had with a colleague the other day who her father has named her as co-trustee with her his new wife, and she's paranoid about this. And she needs to go visit him. And she's like, I don't know how we're going to navigate this because I don't really know her. Um, But I just said, I tried to use the language to say, thank you for the honor of naming me as your power of attorney and the co-trustee. But we need information. We have the legal tools, but we have no knowledge to be able to help you. So how would I pay your bills? Where's your bank account? So use that and thank them for their trust and just say, but I need more to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. I think that's reasonable to people if you give them just the logical, here's the next step I would need to be able to help you. Yeah, sometimes you think once you've named the person, that that's all you need to do. But there's, <laughs> I'm learning today, there's a, yeah, there's more to it. <laughs> there's a heck of a lot more. Yeah, that's the legal right, not the informational knowledge to actually help someone. And, of course, that can start the discussion of a parent trying to impart that knowledge onto the child or children who don't want to think about their parents and their parents' mortality, regardless of their age. Right, right. And I I mean, I feel like it frustrates me in some way because it's like this shouldn't be a discussion about death. It could be a short-term incapacity. I'm going in to get my knee replaced or whatever. Whatever happens, I had a car accident. This is not about incapacity. It's about having trusted people that can back you up when you need help. That's an excellent point. Very excellent point. I, I think I, when I asked that last question, <laughs> I <laughs> kind of came to the end of. Well, the wonderful thing about Kay is that she's very concise <laughs> when she answers a question, and it doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room to ask a lot of follow-on <laughs> questions. So, thank you for your conciseness. Well, the point of the podcast is to get the information out in a way that people are going to understand very clearly. And I think we've done that. Yes. Okay, thank you so much for taking the time (laughs) to be with us and to impart your knowledge in a very clear, concise way to our listeners and to us. Uh, Again, Bobby and I both learned but we usually do when we have a guest on. But again, thank you for taking the time. And what Kay has learned is when we say goodbye to her, doesn't mean it's forever because we come back. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That is great. And I will also say I'm also, to any family that's dealing with dementia, is this is a calling for me. And if they really want some advice on the money or wants to ask a question, I do free consults so they can go to my website and schedule a 20-minute free consultation I'm happy to help another family because I know how hard this is. Wonderful. Super. And we will put links to your website and they can get the memory bank book off of your website or is that a separate website? They can get it off our website, but they can also order it from Amazon. Right. So we'll put links to both off of your your website to Amazon and you also have a blog, right? I do dealing with dementia and it, Charts my journey with my parents. And so we will put a link to that on the show website. Thank you. And the what if. And the what if. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. They don't need to even give us the email. We just are trying to give this away. (laughs) Okay. All right. This has been Dementia Spotlight, Tips, Truths, and Straight Talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. I'm Bobby. 
And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to supporting caregivers and those who need care. Bobby and I would love to hear from you, answer any questions you might have, or just find out how you're doing. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Carducci2 and at Michael Carducci4. To schedule us to speak at your event, go to the bobbycarducci.com website or email info at bobbycarducci.com. Tremendous Spotlight is produced by Carducci Caregiving Consulting, LLC.